Hello, my name is Mallory Jenna Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of transgender, gender non-binary, and gender diverse community members in the United States and abroad. This is A Hateful Homicide. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah. transgender woman has been shot and killed in North Baltimore, Alpha. In the U.S., trans women of color have a life expectancy of just 35 years. This happens on a daily. Another one of my friends got killed right up the street from here. These cases are true. The victims are real and their voices matter. This is A Hateful Homicide. Hi, my name is Mallory Jenner Robinson. Join me on A Hateful Homicide, a true crime and investigative journalism podcast dedicated to telling the stories regarding the murders of our transgender, gender non-binary, intersex, and two-spirit community members in the United States, and abroad. This is a hateful homicide. Nine one one, what's your emergency? an arrest and the death of a transgender woman. When we talk about the LGBT community's marginalization, trans women of color specifically experience the most violence. These cases are true. The victims are real and their voices matter. This is a hateful homicide. The murder of Dominique Duffy Newburn, reality star, Slain. Tuesday, August 20th, 2013, Fontana, California. Warning, the following episode you're about to experience may contain content that is misgendering. Discretion is advised. It's Tuesday, August 20th, 2013, in the city of Fontana, California. It would be the home where 31-year-old black transgender woman Dominique Duffy Newburn would reside, and around 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, a 911 call rings out. African-American cisgendered neighbor Ronald Jackson makes a statement to the police saying that he hears his neighbor screaming for help. He immediately calls 911, and Detective Geraldine Everett comes out to the 7900 block of Bennett Avenue. Detective Everett knocks on the door of the unit and discovers the door unlocked, and asks she and her investigative team prepares to enter the unit. What they discovered will leave even the most seasoned detectives shaken to their core in the city of Fontana, fighting for justice for the next decade to come. Welcome my audience to season five, episode three, the murder of Dominique Duffy Newburn, reality star slain. This case involves attraction, love triangles, rise to stardom, and an unexpected and unsuspected ending. And as we continue to go through this case, we are gonna hear from Dominique's best friend, 
executive producer of the reality show Hollywood Houseboys, Ryan Hope, and her friend and roommate, legendary artist and activist, Aaliyah Ann Daniels. They both are going to share their funnest times with Dominique. Dominique's rise to stardom on the hit reality show Hollywood Houseboys. Her love story with Damien and the details regarding her hateful homicide. But first, my audience, before we get into the hateful homicide of Dominique Duffy Newborn, let's take a moment and learn a little bit about the city of Fontana, California. Fontana is a city in San Bernardino County, California, United States. Founded in 1913, it remained essentially rural until World War II, when entrepreneur Henry J. Kaiser built a large steel mill in the area. It is now a regional hub of the trucking industry with the East-West Interstate 10 and State Route 210 crossing the city and Interstate 15 passing a diagonally through its northern quadrant. So the city is about 46 miles east of Los Angeles. It is home to a renovated historical theater and Fontana also hosts the Fontana Days Half Marathon and a 5k run. This race is the fastest half marathon course in the world. The United States Census Bureau reported that Fontana's 2020 population was that of 212,000, making it the second most populous city in San Bernardino County and the 21st largest in the state. Let's dive back into the hateful homicide of 31-year-old black transgender woman Dominique Duffy Newborn. This beautiful reality star filled with promise is all of a sudden snuffed out in the prime of her life. Fun fact, my audience, Dominique was determined to be the first black transgender woman to release a top 10 on iTunes. Detective Everett knocks on the door of the apartment of Ronald Jackson's neighbor, Dominique Duffy Newborn. She notices it appears to be a jar. As she announces herself before entering, what she discovers will leave her and her team shooken to their core for the next decade to come. Detective Everett and her team enters the apartment just around 4.35 Pacific Standard Time and noticed a gruesome sight, that of a beautiful young black trans woman. They check for a pulse and unfortunately there was not one. And at 4.38 p.m. the body was officially declared to be deceased and based on the neighbor's 911 call, the victim could be his neighbor, 31-year-old black transgender female, Dominique Duffy Newborn. He was asked to enter the unit to positively identify the victim. And as he enters, he screams in horror. He confirms this is his neighbor, Dominique Duffy Newborn, and is escorted back to his unit where investigators begin to interview him. Neighbors hear Ronald Jackson screeches and begin to come and learn that their beloved neighbor, Dominique Duffy Newborn, was met with a hateful homicide. As the investigation into the hateful homicide of Dominique Duffy Newborn begins, coroner Tracy Winthrop arrives at the scene to begin her examination of the body to uncover what was the exact cause of death. And as Dr. Winthrop begins her examination, Detective Everett informs Officer Amelia Suarez to inform the victim's family. Officer Suarez begins to make the death notifications and asks Detective Everett and her partner, Detective Chase Vasquez, goes to unit by unit interviewing neighbors regarding what they may have 
been an ear or eyewitness to this gruesome attack of this beautiful and young Black transgender female. Let's take a moment, my audience, and learn a little bit about Dominique in her own words. Hi, I'm Dominique Beckham. I'm 28 years old. I was formerly a boy, now I'm a transgender. My family does not know about this. They never have seen me, you know, made up or anything like that. I have a lovely boyfriend <laughs> named Nicholas. So how often, wait a minute, so how often do you guys have sex? <laughs> Nick's not gonna wanna miss my birthday party. Only because he doesn't like being around gays. Why you say it like that? Like, <laughs> he doesn't like around being around people our, of our kind. Me being a boy to a girl, I think it all started as as far as like me playing with makeup, me liking boys, and I never really was attracted to per se like gay boys or feminine or undercover, or, you know, I was not really attracted to that stuff. I was always attracted to straight boys who play basketball, who play football, who's trying to talk to all the girls. So I had to be like one of the girls. Welcome back my audience. Dominique is truly a powerhouse, not only based on her transparency and vulnerability in life, but her willingness to be visible during an era I know all too well where unfortunately we are being segregated and silenced. Dominique dared to be the change she wanted to see. She had a life filled with hope and promise when on Tuesday, August 20th, 2013, the young 31-year-old black transgender female was met with a hateful homicide. This beautiful reality star slain in the prime of her life. As the investigating team continues to canvas the crime scene, they discovered that Dominique's 2013 black Mercedes-Benz was missing. Detective Jervardine Everett and her team begins to search for the vehicle in hopes of uncovering any fingerprints or other forms of DNA evidence. As Detective Everett and her team continues their investigation, let's learn a little bit about Dominique's time on the set of Hollywood Houseboys. Hollywood Houseboys. From aspiring actors to semi-working models, Hollywood Houseboys opens the doors behind the daily drama of three young adult boys hungry for fame and their partners that support them monetarily. The Hollywood Houseboys are guaranteed to redefine the meaning of Hollywood drama and bring to you reality television with a twist. I think I think I smell. They do not look small at all. And me being a transsexual, going into changes, you know, I have to take uh, medication. As of now, you know, I go over to Mexico to get all my money. Are you ready? Go, not too far, go. Ugh. She is um, putting her boyfriend in a very awkward position because she has told her boyfriend about this other guy. Why don't you want to go? Because I'm told you, you wasn't discussed it over. No, but for a while, I want you to go. And he can't go anyway, he's not 21. So today is the Hollywood Houseboys promo picture. We're working with a celebrity photographer. Our call time was supposed to be at 9 o'clock and he didn't arrive until 10. And you know, in Hollywood, time is money. And we have a makeup artist here, we have a styling team here, we have everything here. So, I mean, I don't know if y'all know, but it's been a lot of drama going on behind the scenes with Dominique. Father's Day, Dominique sends Nick to go see his family 
and he goes over there, she stays home, he gets drunk, 3.30 in the morning, he's not answering his phone. So Dominique ends up having to go see what's going on at his family's home. So she finds Nick in the bed with another girl. Nick, I'm gonna I'm, I'm fuck you up when I see you. When I see you, I'm gonna fuck you the fuck up. When I see you, I'm gonna fuck you the fuck up. That's what I'm telling you now. Okay, so there, so therefore, so therefore then you need your ass whooped, right? And she need her ass whooped, right? That's what the fuck you want, right? I'm, I'm just letting you know, because I'm going to make sure everybody at my motherfucking house to whoop y'all ass. You don't want, you don't want to do that. I, Nicholas, you, you, you think I'm not a boy? Oh, boy, oh, boy. My whole thing with her is you always have to make sure you look your best for your man. And Dominique transitioning from a boy into a girl, she still has to look her best at all times. And she has to continue now to upgrade her wardrobe to dresses and heels and bags and all that. Nails, toes, everything. If she wants to keep a man. Because she just got hit with a whammy. And the whammy is the girl that Nick left her for is pregnant with Nick's baby. How you doing? Hollywood Houseboys. Welcome back, my audience. As you witnessed, the set of Hollywood Houseboys was a set filled with fun, excitement, and surprises. But most importantly, a set filled with love. Ryan Hope, a recognizable figure within the entertainment industry, discusses his love story with his best friend and closest friend, Dominique Duffy Newborn. And how initially when she was featured on the show, he thought she was quote-unquote a gay boy being extra but wasn't in the place at that time to completely acknowledge Dominique Newborn's gender journey. I had the pleasure of interviewing him regarding his own love story with his chosen sister and best friend, Dominique, the incredible and beautiful 31-year-old black transgender woman who was found brutally murdered, beaten, and stabbed to death on Tuesday, August 2013. Let's take a look. We are here with her incredible best friend, executive producer of Hollywood Houseboys, where Dominique got her start, Ryan Hope. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So please, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, well, I'm Ryan Hope. I am a producer and um, a writer. And I live in Los Angeles, California. Um, myself and Dominique, we kind of grew up in the Inland Empire. And we both always just had aspirations of creating content together and working together on some type of uh, project. And so um, Hollywood House Boys was one that we started together. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just happy to be here to be able to share um, Dominique's story and elevate her name. I love that. And so, Ryan, you know, this is really for you to have a moment to just share with us your fondest times with Dominique. Tell us about Dominique Duffy Newborn. Who was she? How did you two meet? You know, <laughs> what what was some of the good times? Let's, yeah. We would love to hear it, everyone. So me and Dominique, we met when um, when we were in high school. Um, 
Yeah, high school. Um, she went to Pomona. I went to Montclair High. But we started out dancing um, on a, on the same dance team together. We used to dance for this dance team called the Cutie Pies. Mm. <laughs> Come on, Cutie Pies! And so the Cutie Pies was um, was a, a very well-known dance team that was really popular in Pomona and the L.A. area. And so we would, um, you know, do different um, shows that were around the city, local community shows. And um, we would rehearse together, so we would all we were always choreographing something. Okay. I remember when like Little Kim came out with that um, that song, "No Matter What People Say." Yeah, me and Dominique had cut our jeans up, <gasps> cut the waistlines off, cut the holes in them, bleached them. Was in the backyard coming up with our you know our eight counts and our two steps, yeah. and um, just having a good old time. You know, as as kids, um, being you know queer and just having the best time in life um, exploring our sexuality mm-hmm. playing in makeup and mm-hmm. you know just having that 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 bond um, any Destiny's Child album that came out we were performing it together in my bedroom with a brush yes ma'am um, you know um, when Dominique started to get into the um, to the house and ballroom community oh, um, you know I was, she would always try to show me her dips and spins <gasps> and I was <laughs> And so we were always just, you know, supporting each other um, through, you know, just through life, just through life. And so um, that's that's kind of how we got started um, knowing each other. I love that. And so you you said that you two met in high school. What was Dominique's family like and her and her family life like as well, from what you recall? So Dominique has a very loving family. I'm very close with her mom and her sisters and um, her nieces and nephews. Um, Dominique's mom is a is um, is, a, is a loving mother. She's a tough mother, mm-hmm. but she um, she is you know she's my mom as well um her mom and my mom are you know are are, we go to each other's homes and see each other for holidays and for birthdays you know still Mm -hmm. to this day and um so Dominique came from a you know a great family background we were um both supported and loved and that's very rare to have in you know in in the community and so um we we you know that, that that was something else that we were able to you know bond over yeah. I didn't have any like fear or shame you know going to Dominique's house okay. um, and Dominique didn't have any fear or shame or anything going coming to mind and um, you know our mothers just loved us just the same and um, Dominique would call my mom Miss Maybelline <laughs> And so okay. she would say, where's Miss Maybelline? Where's oh. Miss Maybelline? Or we'd be on the phone and talking, and she'd hear my mom come in the room or something, and she'd say, tell Miss Maybelline I said hi. <laughs> you know, so we had a very um, a very loving family background. I love that so much. And how are they doing with the, with, you know, with these circumstances regarding the hateful homicide of, of Dominique Duffy Newborn? How have they handled all of this? How, have they, how are they doing? It was tough. You know, it was really tough especially um, in the beginning you know when we got the news of what happened um, we were all in shock Um, we weren't quite sure how it happened or what happened there was a lot of questions at first Um, and 
I remember when I got that phone call that um, Dominique had been murdered. Um, I was in LA and Dominique was at the time she was living in Fontana. And um, that week my car had broken down. And I just remember I had to get to Dominique's mom. And so I think I co- hopped on the, the 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 metro or the train or something to get, you know, from L.A. to the Inland Empire just to be there with family. And during that time, they still had not caught who did it. And so there was a manhunt that was going on. And we weren't so sure nice. who it was or who they were coming after. Mm. So we didn't know if it was something that was more targeted, if they were looking for me or anybody else or what was going on you know what I mean we we were all just kind of under um you know just just kind of stressed to figure out why this happened who did it and um just we were just looking for a lot of answers absolutely and with those questions that you all were posing did you think that and you mentioned earlier it possibly being related to you did you all think that this could have been related to the Hollywood houseboys we didn't know and so we were like um we were thinking you know because with Hollywood Houseboys, um, Dominique and I were very intentional about like how that show came about. Yeah. And um, I, looking back on it, I regret like making the decision to put Dominique on a show titled Hollywood Houseboys. Okay. But Dominique wanted to get attention, and she um, she said mm-hmm. that she wanted to be the twist, oh, yes, the reality yeah. television with the twist. Oh, and yeah. if they saw Hollywood Houseboys but saw this beautiful black queen on the you know on the on the on the front then they would be like hmm like you know what 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 they would double take and so um and so when she started to go through you know her transition because Mm -hmm. her and I met as she was my best gay friend Mm. and so when she started to go through her transition I just thought that it was my girl just being extra right I thought my best gay friend was just being extra and we always played in makeup but Dominique was just on a continuum that I was not yet understanding and so when we were starting Hollywood Houseboys and she you know so um uh, selflessly offered up her life as a story because Honestly, every th- every day when I would talk to her, it was just an adventure. Yeah. Bitch, what did you do? To- what did you do today? And she'd be like, "Girl," and then she would just tell me, you know, about you know the things that she did. And I'm just like, "Where where are the cameras at, honey? Where are the cameras?" And um, I'm living for it. And I just. You know, I did feel guilty when she did pass because I had not yet fully honored her Mm. as the woman that she was. I was still, you know, thinking that it was my my best gay friend, Mm. but Dominique was a... Uh, a heterosexual straight woman and um, there were things that we said on that show in our immaturity that we have to apologize to our trans sisters and family for misgendering and you know for not having the maturity and the full understanding of the diversity that is within our umbrella to be able to articulate um, you know um how we feel and how to address um, our our sisters and brothers and um, family. And so when she passed away, I was very um, 
guilt. I felt a lot of guilt. And then a lot of people started calling about the project at that mm. point um, and trying mm. to, you know, we got caught. We were, Dominique would always say, what do I need to do to get eyes on this show? Mm. And she was like, do I need a scandal? Oh you know, goodness. do I need to date a ball player? <laughs> you know, she was always, and we would always laugh and joke about a scandal. Right. And then when reality television turns real life, mm. And we got that call and everyone is starting to call about this project. Um, I could not and did not want to capitalize off of of that opportunity. And so I put the project down and I walked away from it. Her and I had produced that project together and I no longer had a best friend and I no longer had a producing partner. So I went on to go to, um, you know, back to school and get my degree. And we were at, me and my mom were out at, um, a Fred Siegel's mm. and window shopping. Okay, right? now. Okay, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember um, I asked to see something behind the counter and one of the representatives said um, to me, um, I wish I could give you a discount on this. I love your show. And my mom was with, with me and she heard it and then I remember us walking out of Fred Siegel and my mom said, baby, if I had the money, I would give it to you. That is your project. I wish you would return back to it. Oh, yes. And so a few years later, I, I'd finally gotten kind of established a little bit in the entertainment industry with, you know, having a job that was at a legitimate company, right. you know, because it's hard yeah. for our community to find opportunities that way and at the time I just thought that I would always do something that was independent mm-hmm. and so when I got settled I said you know what I would love to return back to the show I cannot leave what we have out there there are answers that people want Dominique's fans have a- answers what happened Come and on. I also cannot leave this project in this space knowing what I know now in terms mm-hmm. of I'd worked with organizations like trans can work mm-hmm. and did you know um, all different kinds of um, uh, trainings for pronouns and different things just to better educate myself and I felt that there was an opportunity there where we could use that to help um, educate others that were watching who did not have access to this information. So we brought the project back but we brought it back in a way where it was in Dominique's honor. Yes. It was in Dominique's honor and on that on that on like the last few episodes you see us taking the trainings and doing the learnings and helping um, educate Mm -hmm. others because I know that that's what Dominique would have wanted. Absolutely. And that's what's so beautiful is that you're doing what Dominique would want. You're honoring her. You're saying her name. Yes. And that's what it's about. Knowing what you know now and looking back at Dominique's journey when she was beginning it, what are some things that you that you kind of like picked up on now that you're like, okay, this is maybe what she was trying to teach me back then. Now I kind of understand like pronouns or, you know, um, social transition as opposed to medical trends, all those things that you've, you know, that you've continued to learn as an advocate for the trans community. How do you feel about that now in terms of like looking back at it then? Yes. Um, there are so many like aha moments <laughs> that I was like, oh, this, this girl was trying to get me together and I was not paying attention. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but like, look, even looking at the episodes now, there was 
this one um, episode where we were doing the No Hate campaign mm-hmm. and we wanted her to be there. Uh, and I think we were talking about like gay marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And Dominique didn't come to the photo shoot. And we were like, why are you not here? Why are you not here? And I, I mean, clearly, girl, she's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, that was one. And then some things that I said um, on the show, you know, I referred to um, someone like Dominique was dating someone and um, he was dating a, um, a cisgender woman. Mm. And I, I referred to them as a real woman, quote unquote, real. And that was also not the correct term to say. And so... Um, there have been a lot of aha moments, yeah. um, but one thing that has really been an aha moment is um, I worked in, I, I was working in production um, at HBO, and yes. um, I I got invited to their first, well, my first um, uh, business employee resource group meeting, what they called the Bergs, okay. and it was for HBO um, Proud. And yeah. so I walk into this room and I see all these executives, you know, people that were executives all the way down to the interns who were there to support their LGBTQIA plus employees. I had never experienced that. And I remember feeling so like they're celebrating their employees mm-hmm. and they can be themselves and their authentic selves and bring themselves to work. Wow. And so I remember marching up to the cold chairs and saying, how can I, what can I do to support this? And they said, well, we need someone who is a um, community, community outreach lead. And I remember them giving me my assignments to, you know, work with different nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. and what that meant for me, it changed everything. And I didn't even know about diversity and inclusion mm-hmm. at the time. And so so now I'm, you know, they promoted me to the the um, one of the co-chairs of the organization, and we're doing all these great things, and I'm bringing in trans can work, and we're donating to the or, to all these organizations, and it felt like I looked up, and three years later, all the things that were on my resume were not a part of my job title, mm. and so I knew then that I wanted to go into diversity and inclusion, and so that was all inspired by Dominique, yeah. you know, and so a lot of the evolution that I've had in her passing has been things that um, have motivated me in her honor. That's beautiful. I love that too, that everything that you're doing is to continue to honor Dominique's name. And this is truly the type of friend that you all want, my audience. Someone who is going to, you know, in life and in death, continue to say your name and uplift your name. I understand that Dominique wanted to sing and (laughs) and be on iTunes, you know. And so, you know, please, please, please tell me about like her singing because you mentioned Destiny's Child Aaliyah uh, when I interviewed Aaliyah um, you know mentioned Destiny's Child and uh, Beyonce and Janet Jackson so I know she wanted to have you know be the first black trans woman on iTunes and I didn't know she was working towards that goal tell me about like what that was like for her she she was it was so funny because you know we would always try to be um, we were always competing for who who was the Beyonce of the group you know Um, and so Dominique did have hope and dreams of being one of the first trans women that was on iTunes and she had bought studio equipment and we were writing you know different songs and stuff together wow. and um, we were having f- a lot of fun with that we were having mm-hmm. a lot of fun with that and she was really in a good space in life where she was able to you know afford the things that she wanted she had yeah. just bought a Mercedes she was yeah. buying her studio equipment she was living she was coming into her authentic self and it was so beautiful to 
see, you know? It was so beautiful to see. And, um, yeah, yeah, and it was so just, um, upsetting to see it all just come to a end so quickly and so, um, senselessly, um, that it just took the wind out of all of us. Absolutely. And take me back to that Tuesday, August 20th of 2013. You you all get the news. You head over to the Inland Empire. You're supporting, you know, the family. You all are concerned about who could have committed this hateful homicide. And then you learn that it's an 18-year-old black cisgendered man by the name of Duntier Powell. Had you ever heard of him before? What was what was that like once you learned who not only now this person of interest, but ultimately the suspect and convicted um, killer? Yeah, so me and Dominique used to talk on the phone every day. And so um, I would talk to her and I would say, you know, girl, what you doing? And she'd be like, oh, nothing. You know, I'm at my house. Just I'm like, well, who's there? Who's, who's in the background? Oh, you know, just some little trade, just a little trade, girl. <laughs> and so, but she, she, she had referred to him, um, but never really got into any more detail. Okay. And so I just remember that August, um, I got a phone call from my friend Sean Milan and he said, are you sitting down? And I was like, what? And he was like, Dominique has been murdered. And I was like, in shock, didn't believe it. And I was calling her phone, of course. And then I immediately couldn't get a hold of her, calling her mom. And when I called her mom, her mom answered and she said, Ryan, I don't know what's happening. I'm on my, I'm in the car, on the freeway. The apartment manager says, just get here. And I was like, oh my God. And so um, I was hoping that it was something that wasn't true, you know? Yeah. And then I got out to the Inland Empire, and after I spoke to Dominique's mom again, she says, I'm, I'm here, but um, I'm behind the yellow tape, and the police are inside. And I'm just like, you know, we're just praying, like, this is, let it, please be a mistake. And then um, uh, we found out that it was, in fact, Dominique. And um, at that point, there was a manhunt that was going on for the person that did it. So we weren't quite sure who it was. And the manhunt had gone on for a while. I just remember every day on the news, it was the headline, Mm -hmm. um, and that they were still looking for the person that did this because they had, you know, not only had had this person, ki- you know, killed, murdered her, um, but had robbed her. Yes. Had yes. robbed her. Yes, he did. And so we were like, you know, who is this person? And so we found out later who it was. And then... Um, the funeral came and we were, you know, all just still trying to figure out, um, you know, make sense of it. And then, um, the, the trial came. Mm, take us back to the trial. How was, how was that, Ryan? So, um, I remember I had graduated and I was going to move to Atlanta, but I was waiting for this trial before I moved. And, um... I remember my mom came to the trial. Dominique's family was there. Dominique was well supported um, at the trial. And I just remember when he, the person that did this, um, 
took the stand and gave their account of what happened. And I remember how they tried to spin this situation. Um, and they said that um, him and Dominique had uh, gotten into an argument. Um, that particular day, um, he was waiting for uh, he he was on his way to Dominique's house, but when he got there, she was not there, mm -hmm. um, and it was hot. It was August. It was um, you know in in the Inland Empire, and he was upset because he was waiting outside for her. Mm. But it was Tuesday, and on Tuesdays, me and Dominique went and got our Popeyes chicken, oh. our two piece meals. Oh yes, and, yeah, and come so, on Popeyes. And so that's where my girl was. She was out actually getting some chicken for him. And so mm. when um, she pulled up, he had an attitude and they had gone inside and he, um, he actually didn't even want to eat the food anymore. So Dominique had put the chicken in the microwave and there are photos of them doing the investigation and you can still see the reflection of the Popeye's chicken like in the microwave. It's just, mm. and so, um, he he had gone and he had an attitude. Apparently, he had walked into the bedroom. She was in the living room, and she heard him on the phone having a conversation. And he ended the conversation with, I love you. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is, I'm putting what he said in court together what with I think Dominique would have done so okay. some of this is my own spin on what Absolutely. I how I remember it and how I think it happened Absolutely. but um, he ended a phone conversation with I love you and um, he said Dominique came in and like was questioning him on who he was talking to mm -hmm. and I think he said something about I'm talking I was talking to my my dad and Dominique I, I think she didn't believe that right. uh, that that was happening and so an argument took place and from that argument um, I think that Dominique probably told him to um, to get out mm -hmm. because um, in that moment he had revealed that he was actually talking to another woman. Mm, and that would be 25-year-old black cisgender female Jamie Nicole Cotton. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so I believe my girl probably said, well, you know, just get out. Right. And at that point, an argument broke out and at some point a knife was introduced into that mm. and um, he stabbed Dominique. Dominique had so many stab wounds that there were more than one fatal stab wound on, on her body. Oh there was more than one. She was stabbed in... Of course. Take your time. And... She died, like, in the middle of the doorway. And so after he had stabbed her, he went and washed up and removed the television off of the wall, took his clothes, some of her clothes, uh, different electronics, games, like, you know, Xbox and PlayStation game consoles, loaded up her car... And at this point, the neighbors are, like, looking and asking, like, what's going on? And he's saying, oh, nothing, go back inside. Oh, I don't yeah. even think he had a shirt on at that point. Oh, and then um, 
I guess he pulled off and at some point he got down the street and came back because he had forgot the controllers. Mm. Ryan. Each time stepping over her body. Mm. Mm. So that was, you know, the account that he gave and I remember the attorney for him just trying to make it seem like Dominique was this, um, was, you know, so much older in age and so much taller and bigger and weighed more. And, you know, he was, you know, basically this defenseless, um, person that, um, was, you know, like trapped there mm, or something, the mm-hmm. way that they made it out to be. And at the end of it, um, the jury verdict came back and it was involuntary manslaughter. And I mm. believe they gave him um, only 12 years. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. And so is there a moment where you have thought about confronting this person, like going to the prison? and having to sit down, asking those questions. Why did you do this? Why did you commit this hateful homicide on yes. a Tuesday? What have your thoughts yes. been about that? Yes, so I have not revealed this to anyone, okay. but I did get in touch with him. Okay, okay. Thank you for sharing that. And and, how, and if you feel comfortable, whatever you feel comfortable sharing, how how was that exchange? Um, I got in touch with him and I was truly in shock when I saw the, when I got the collect call from the prison mm-hmm. and um, he knew who I was. He knew who I was and um, I told him that I did want at some point to have a conversation on what really, really happened. Right. And um, honestly, um, I might've had one or two calls um, and then I kept thinking about it and something in me just could not go there. Um, and so I haven't had any more communication, but they have tried to reach out to mm. me recently. Okay. And, um, I just don't know, honestly, if that is the smartest thing to do. So yeah. I have since moved Good where, for you. Um, because I, I think that they did have my uh, an address to where I used to live, and I just don't know what's to make of that. And so, um, that's as far as it, that's as far as it went. Okay. And again, you know, thank you for sharing that. And I know that it can be uncomfortable. This has been very, you know, hard. It's been ten years later. Yeah. It's been a decade since Dominique has been gone. What if you could say anything to her now, this decade later, of course, now she would be 41 and fabulous and flirty and fun. What would you like to say to Dominique now if she was here? I would like to first apologize to her for not keeping up with the times and for not, you know, giving her her flowers um, before she passed away. Um, I would also like to thank her for, like I said, selflessly opening up her life during a time when 
transgender women were not getting the opportunities that they are now. Correct. And she had paved the way. I mean, we were documenting things on that show. Dominique was an open book. I love that. She was an open book. And I would just like to thank her for making me better. I remember I would call her and, you know, with an idea, pitching an idea. And Dominique would say, mm -mm 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 -mm. run that shit, run that, <laughs> run it back, run it back, bitch, run it back. <laughs> and she would say, give it to me like it's on TMZ. And so I would have to hungry for fame, hustling for money, and hopeful to make it. Oh, and yes, she would, you know, and so she would just give me, we would give each other the motivation that we both needed. Sometimes it would be tough love, sometimes it would be soft love, but you know, in the end it was it was all love. And so I would I would just want to thank her for for what she's done and for being a pioneer um, in in this game, in this industry, and for our community. Absolutely. Ryan, Hope, executive producer, best friend, thank you so much, thank so you, much man. for your time. Is there any, as we prepare to conclude, is there any last remarks, anything that you want us to know about Dominique Duffy Newber and the fabulous, you know, content creator, reality star, anything else that you would like the world to know about this beautiful being who was on this earth for 31 years and on that Tuesday, August 20th of 2013 was met with a hateful homicide by a disgusting being that we won't even discuss, but what would you like to leave us with? Um, I would like to leave <clears throat> you with just knowing that Dominique was more than my friend. She was also a daughter. She was also, you know, um, an aunt. She was so many different things. You know, her nieces and nephews loved her. Her family loved her. Dominique was loved. And um, if folks want to find additional, you know, ways to see her, yes. um, then they can look for Hollywood House Boys on Tubi. Yes. And um, there is, you know, content of her of her there. I love that. And where can they find you, Ryan, as well? Uh, they can find me at A Glimmer of Hope mm -hmm. on Instagram. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Thank you again, Ryan, so much for this incredible interview. Dominique is super proud, and we appreciate you. Thank you for having me. And it's a glimmer of Ryan Hope uh, on there, Instagram. There we go. A glimmer of Ryan Hope on Instagram. We're going to make sure we have that popped up, too. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Welcome back, my audience. As you witnessed, Dominique, this beautiful and outgoing 31-year-old black transgender woman, found beaten and stabbed to death in her Fontana, California apartment on that Tuesday, August 20, 2013, on that 7900 block of Bennett Avenue. It's still that Tuesday around 7.13 p.m. when Officer Amelia Suarez makes the death notifications to the loved ones of Dominique Newborn. Her friend, 29-year-old cisgendered female Sarah Witherspoon, said it was like unlike Dominique to not respond back to the text messages. And she knew when she hadn't heard anything by that evening, something was wrong. Sarah and Ryan weren't the only ones who felt Dominique's absence. That Tuesday afternoon, her chosen and former roommate, Aaliyah Ann Daniels, was beginning to grow concerned. When she couldn't make contact with the stunning Dominique Newborn, Aaliyah also, who too identified and expressed openly and proudly as a black trans woman, similarly to Dominique, 
let's take a moment, my audience, and learn a little bit about Aaliyah's journey with Dominique in a live interview that I had a pleasure of doing. We have with her with us today an incredible friend and roommate of Dominique's. Her name is Aaliyah Ann Daniels, also known as Sachi Aaliyah Couture. Absolutely. So I'm gonna let her, my audience, introduce herself to you all. And then we're gonna interview um, with her regarding her fungus moments with Dominique. So Aaliyah and Sashay Katua, please tell us about yourself. Thank you so much for being here, first and foremost. You welcome, sister. This is my sister from another mister. I love you too, baby, so much. So I'm uh, Aaliyah Ann Daniels, that's my uh, trans name. And uh, Sashay Lee Couture is my stage name. I am the daughter of Lady Ray Couture from Hey Queen. Um, I have been doing nonprofit work for the past 15 years, uh, performing for the past 20. And I had told my sister Natalie about Dominique. Um, she was uh, one of my roommates before I moved to Long Beach and before I transitioned. So I thought it would be a great um, story for her, her story to be highlighted because her death was a tragic death and I don't think any person or human being or even animal should be going through stuff like that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Leah, for opening up with that. And of course, like I said, Dominique was full of life. She was full of promise. And when she was found brutally murdered, that hateful homicide that occurred on that Tuesday around 4.30 p.m., it was heartaching. Aaliyah, I want to ask you if you could share your fondest times with Dominique. And then also, how did you handle the news of Dominique's hateful homicide? So um, my fondest memories with uh, Dominique, um, so we were roommates um, back in the between, you know, I want to say 2004 and 2006, and we met at um, Oasis Nightclub, and uh, she was smoking on the dance floor, and I was pretending like I didn't have a vote, <laughs> and we just became friends like that, and um, she had moved in with me. Um, probably like a year later. Um, and we went to Oasis like almost every week, like four times a week when we was there. Because we was doing the, the drag competitions there. Um, and then we'll go to Lamert Park, Lamert Park and crack. Okay. I don't know about the Lamert Park. Come on, Lamert Park. <laughs> We used to do the ball scene too. I was at I was a prestige, um, but she wasn't in it. But she introduced me into into the ball scene or whatever. Um, she would do my hair all the time because my ha- my hair used to come all the way down here. Oh yes, me. And my name then was Talia because okay. Aaliyah was like my favorite singer. Oh, I love Aaliyah too, girl. So, but um, yeah, Dominique was uh, a pivotal person in my life. Um, at that time, like she helped me be more comfortable with me being uh, uh, coming out as trans in like the real world, even though she knew that I already knew I was gonna be trans. Like I wasn't faking the fuck for anybody. Now you know our truth. <laughs> and, uh, I knew my truth. When the people ask me, I'm like, when people ask me if I was trans, I'm like, no, I'm not trans. I'm 
And then like now that I'm trans, I'm like, how did you say you were never gonna be trans? I said, I never thought I was never gonna be trans. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trans then. Absolutely. Because I was not on hormones, so I was gonna do that to trans people. But um, also, Dominique wasn't, wasn't uh, transitioning then either. So kind of like, grew up with each other, um, making me a lot more comfortable um, in being in our trans, uh, trans awareness. And um, it was always a party at the house. <laughs> we were having like, I would have football players when I was back there, um, the track people, because a lot of people I went to high school with. And then she'll have her friends. So like, it was always something in the house. We was always at the arena or the circus or the catch or the study. Um, what's another place we used to go? We used to go to, um, Catch the study. Well, I said it my right. Catch the study in the arena. Okay. Uh huh. And then um, circus. I think we did Oz. Oh. I was sneaking into Oz because it closed down when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was sticking to there. Singing um, all the tea, y'all. Yes. <laughs> but um, when I found out about her death, I was actually. Coming from Hamburger Mary's, where I worked at the time in Long Beach, and turned on the news. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't see it yet. Um, I was on a different channel, and then my aunt was like, I think you should turn on, um, I forgot what channel it was that she showed me. And she's like, your roommate's on there. And I was like, huh? Mm-hmm. I said, what you, you said, you talking about Red? No, it's Dominique. And I looked and it said the headlines and um, I was like in shock. Like Mm -hmm. I was not expecting that because I had just talked to her like a year prior, you know, and I was like telling her that I was happy um, for her, her her TV show with Ryan. um, And we just like started chatting again. We had um, we had uh, left on bad terms, but we still was like talking. Like we were still like she would check up on me, I check up on her, and then she would just tell me how proud she was of me, you know, being my transition. And so it was good. It was it was a good. Um, last time I talked to her, it was good. You know, it was like all the time and. So when she passed, it was it was hard because I didn't know how to handle it, you know. So um, I was sad, um, but if my mother, Lady Ray, wasn't there to snap me out of it, you know, because like you see when I lose people close, like I kind of get in like this depression type situation. Um, no, but, I understand. Um, but uh, I was more worried about her family, like um, and Ryan. But I had no way of getting a hold of her her parents. Um, but I talked to Ryan, and Ryan was, you know, upset too. Um, I think he had messaged me too about it, but I already had knew. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to remember. I think he did message me about it, and I already told him I found out. Yeah. 
um, sister. Uh, did you ever get in touch with her parents? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, prior to, so how many years total did you know Dominique? I knew Dominique, I want to say three years. Three years yeah, total. Three years total, yeah. Before she had met her hate bombs. Did you did you know anything about her relationship with the perpetrator, Duntier Powell? He was an 18-year-old black cisgendered male. He was the one who was seen fleeing the home on that Tuesday afternoon. The, the yeah. only thing I knew was what the news had told me. Because Dominique was very private with her relationships. Unless you like you live with her, you would know. Okay. Um, so she really didn't, cause she didn't like people in her business. Stand there. So, right. um, from the, from, you know, living with her. Um, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't know who this person was and I was just like, like, why would you do that? Like, and think that you're not going to get caught. No. Did you did you attend the trial? No, because I didn't know where anything was. I don't know where the trial was. I don't know where the funeral was. Um, I think because I and I probably wouldn't have went for the simple fact that like it. I haven't seen her in a long time, so like, and she had all these, you know, all her friends and, and you know, fans and all that, and I didn't want to mm-hmm. take that from them, because I don't know if there was like a list that was there, or, you know, I just didn't want to take from that. So, um, but, uh, and, in, and, you know, I don't, um, and I don't want to like where I am either, you know, because he was more so, um, so I just had my own little personal like, time, you know, with her. How did you overall come to terms, or do you feel like you have come to terms with the passing of Duffy's death, Dominique's death? Um, I'm, I'm at peace with it, but I'm still angry, mm-hmm. you know, because she didn't deserve that. No. Nobody deserves being killed in that way. Yeah. And it's being left like they were that thing. And what made me even more is that these are two people of color that's doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and us people of color have been going through shit since the beginning of time. And we shouldn't be doing this with each other. And it angers me with the black girl because black women, we are, and black trans women too, we are the most disrespected and sexualized people in the world. Speaking to see another woman do that to another woman, I despise that. And you know, Aaliyah, I wanted to add as well, I don't know how much you followed that trial, you know, Dante, Dante, excuse me and Jamie Nicole Cotton, the 25-year-old black cisgender woman and his girlfriend who was who was an accomplice. But I don't know if you knew that she really didn't get much of a sentence. She didn't at all. Yeah, yeah, nothing at all for her. Nothing. You know, and again, Dominique was brutally beaten, you know, and just traumatized and, and left slumping over her living room window. 
trying to get away, away. from their... And if it wasn't for her, her cries and screams, mm-hmm. the, the neighbors wouldn't have called. Yeah. That's what that's what the the neighbors Ronald Jackson. Um, he was one of the ones who made the nine one one call, and he said that she was always quiet. Mm-hmm. She was sweet, very quiet, very sweet person. Very, she didn't get into drama with nobody. Yeah, she was very to herself. You know. Did you? What was? Did you? I, I know you two live together. Did, did Did you know anything about Dominique's romantic life? What was she like in terms of? Was she like a no nonsense when it came to dating? Oh okay, yeah, she was very that like no nonsense. Like the guy that she was um, with at the time she was living with me, like she would put him in his place. Mm-hmm. She was like. The movie at Oasis that he would walk around and she'd be like, "What are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just saying, so why are you dancing about him like that? You already hear folks. And and also one of the things too, I don't know if you if you knew this about Dominique as well. I know that you said you had mentioned that you all you two would check in periodically, you know, after you two have stopped living together. But she was really hoping to have a, a like a top song. Yeah, she yeah, she she was because like she, I, I she would sing all the time um, oh, okay. in the house. I like I heard her sing before so she could sing. Um, okay. and I knew she wanted to do something. Um but of course, they didn't have the funds to do something oh, like that. Oh, yes. um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. Did she have like a favorite artist? I know for you, you mentioned Aaliyah, but what about Dominique? Did she was anyone that inspired her? You recall any artists that she would be playing in the in the in those in the shower singing to? Maybe one more than the other. Not really, because, like, we would listen to, like, the same type of music, so I don't, I don't know who her favorite, um, I know she didn't like Beyonce and Janet. Okay. Late after my own horse, so did mm-hmm. I. So, from then, I would probably say that the pool's current was probably Beyonce and Janet. Okay, good to know. Two after, after mine as well. You know, if you could say anything to Dominique now. It's been over 10 years since her hateful homicide back on that August 10th, 20th of 2013. What would you want to say to Dominique? That I'm proud of everything that you accomplished. Um, despite of what, what opportunities you've always been a positive friend in my life. So that never changed after we moved from each other. Um, and you were one of my first transfers before we even, you know, you know before I transitioned and before you transitioned. Um, and he was always dominant to me. <laughs> so, yeah. I love that. So I know Dominique was also like an aspiring reality star. And so for me, I think one of the things that I want to ask as well is in terms of her ability to become a reality star, what what was her hopes and dreams for that? So I didn't know she wanted to become a reality star. I think Ryan like said, hey, there's a project that I want to do and I think you should be a part of it. Because she never really told me that she was like, I know she wants, I know she 
hairdressers would be like, she might be famous in some type of way. Yeah. But um, when I seen when I seen the show, I was excited. She looked beautiful. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love that, you know, she really touched your life and so many others. You mentioned a lot of places that you all would go to together. But was there like a group of friends that you all kind of like collectively hung out together, like a little uh, crew? Uh-huh. So it was me, Ryan, David, Khalil, um, and then there was for so many of us. Um, Shay Shay, Echelon, um, Sparkle, Lord. Um, Sister, this goes on and on. Because we're like, well, our thing was, you know, after the show, I'll go to Denny's and then we'll go to the bus thing. Mm, Did you hear about the bus thing? You know, so this, this was before my time, before I came to Los Angeles a, audience. This was a arcade, a video arcade, like poor. Uh-huh. So they had this room where like they had like glory holes and stuff. So the boys would go in there. So we'll just we'll just go in there and just watch people. Like I don't know why we did that. Too. It was <laughs> fun. You know, we wouldn't do anything, but we would watch other gay boys do other stuff. Mm-hmm. And then. Uh, I remember distinctly, like, we went to watch and we were just giggling. Well, I'm giggling. And then the guy grabs, I was like, I gotta go. I was like, I'll see y'all over there. Thank you, Nick. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not the type of girl I was, but mm. we're just fine watching. Nothing wrong with it. Hey, we all have what we have, honey. You know, and we like what we like. And so uh, when no one gets anyone's yums on a hateful homicide. And then we would, and then we would go to my apartment and go in the watch. Like, we like the third boys back then. So it was like, I mean, like the DL, black men over there. Mm-hmm. Dangerous was like the leading of the Yeah, those are some times. <laughs> I love that, you know, and I just want to say as well, you know, I just want to clarify too that the the guy that who committed this hateful homicide of Dominique, Duffy Niebuhr, and this beautiful 31-year-old trans, beautiful black transgender woman, was not her partner. This was not a case of intimate partner violence. This was someone that she knew, someone that she had been, you know, in, in shared space with. But unfortunately, he did play on Dominique's kindness. And he went over there under the ruse of hanging out, spending time together. And then him and his girlfriend viciously attacked Dominique. And so, of course, he was sentenced to 30 years to life. What do you have, you mentioned earlier about being angry. If you could, you know, you have a message for Dominique, what would be your message for then 18-year-old African-American cisgender Dantier Powell. What would be your message to him since he's been now sitting in prison for over 10 years for this hate homicide? And he has 20 more to go at least before he's eligible for parole. Um, besides, I mean, we all have to forgive people, but I'm not gonna forget what you did to family. Um, I suggest you get your your life right 
with whatever higher power you believe in or what you um, and forgive yourself for what you did and have remorse for what you did because taking somebody's life is like you're taking yours mm. and there's no there's nothing that can happen to you on this earth that would repay what you did to Dominique. But karma's a bitch and she's real. And I'ma let the Lord help her because the Lord can do way worse than I can. Absolutely. So watch out. Oh sister. Any last remarks, anything that you would like to add in terms of just your own experience with Dominique? Is there anything that you want to share? Tell us more about the work that you're doing anywhere that we can follow you on social media, how we can continue to uplift beautiful trans women of color, especially our black trans women. Um, Dominique is no longer with us, but we both are here. We want to continue to make sure that we not only um, uplift Dominique, but those others who are still here. Um, so please tell us more how we're First I want to say, me and this girl, got awards for our trans work through the Imperial Court. Hers was from the LA Imperial Court, mine was from Long Beach Imperial Court. And from the same person, Mother Karina, she gave us the Karina um, Award. And um, I think, are we the first black girls to get it? I think so, absolutely. Yeah, she's the first, I'm the second. Uh And um, also, this bitch, is, she says she's not legendary, but she is, girl. She does a lot of work, and um, that's make sure you check out her, her documentary when it comes out, Shameless Fight for You. Oh, thank you. But you can look me up um, on um, Instagram at Sasha Elia Couture, um, and then Facebook will be Elia and Daniels. Um, Elia's but like the singer. Um, but... Um, I also got for the I'm the first person from the Long Beach Imperial Court and first uh, black trans woman to get a a um, a award from the city of Long Beach Trans Advocate Award. Such a legend. But it's because of all the all the volunteering I've been doing in the community and I think that everybody should give back to their community at, at some point um, and spread awareness for us and, and keep us in your prayers because um, we may live in a place where we're safe, but we're still a target. Everywhere we go, we're a target. So um, just when you when you see a, a black trans woman out there, just say, hey, sister, how you doing? You know, because that's what we need. Because there's everybody's always attacking us in some type of way. Like they give us the angry black woman thing as well. Yeah. No, it's not angry black woman. It's just the mama. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess with it. Okay, we don't black. I love you yeah. so much, baby. I love you. I love you so much.
for being here. And when I tell you, you all, please follow my sister Leah. She's incredible, beautiful spirit. And we will also be getting ready to do some more Imperial Court work um, in Hawaii. So stay tuned. I'll give you all an update on that um, within the next episode or two. But did you want to share anything with Ryan or say anything to him? Ryan, I'm sorry I couldn't do the interview with you because I have to fly to Hawaii, but I love you and I miss you. And let everybody know what type of person Dominique was and the fabulous woman that she is. I love you, Ryan. Thank you all. We'll be back. Welcome back, my audience. And as you witnessed, Aaliyah's love story to Dominique was very profound and they will always be sisters. And as we return to the case, Dr. Tracy Renthrum informs Detective Geraldine Everett that the cause of death for this reality star slain is due to blunt force trauma to the back of the head with a cylindrical object such as a hammer and several sharp force trauma injuries to the chest area. As Detective Geraldine Everett processes the news behind her report, and continues the investigation into the hateful homicide of 31-year-old black transgender female Dominique Duffy Newborn, who was discovered brutally murdered inside her Fontana, California apartment on the 7900 block. Again, the 7900 block of Bennett Avenue on that Tuesday of August 20th, 2013, around 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The loved ones of Dominique Newborn are officially notified regarding her hateful homicide. Funeral arrangements were made for August 30th, 2013, in Fontana, California. Dominique Duffy Newborn was born in 1982 to loving parents who ultimately separated just before she entered kindergarten. Primarily raised by her mom in a house of siblings, Dominique Newborn was truly a remarkable being. She didn't begin her gender journey until the year 2000 at the age of 18, exploring makeup and other aesthetic techniques for the next 10 years. The young beauty would continue to pave the way by befriending Ryan Hope and other queer community members. And by the year 2005, she began to fully embrace her gender identity. Her family would later lean and learn on of her truth. And it was still working on accepting her by 2013 when her hateful homicide occurred. In the fall of 2008, then 26-year-old Dominique Duffy Newborn met 21-year-old cisgendered male Nicholas Camden. The two began a friendship that turned into the love story of the 2010 decade. And for the next five years, Nicholas and Dominique had an on-again, off-again romance, but was featured and highlighted on the reality show Hollywood Houseboys. Let's take a moment, my audience, and learn a little bit about the love story of Nick and Nikki. Hollywood Houseboys. So all these girls want to know, um, basically, what happened to me and Nick. He called me, like, at 3 in the morning, drunk, pissy drunk. And I'm like, you know, what's going on or whatever? And he like, oh, nothing, babe, nothing. I'm kicking in with my cousins or whatever. I just, you know, popped up on him. I got there, like, at 6 in the morning or whatever. I was looking through all the rooms or whatever. Everybody's in the house sleep. So Nick is on the floor like against the wall, like knocked out sleep. And then he got some bitch laying in his lap. And he's living at his uncle's house inside the garage with the girl that's supposed to be pregnant. I've been on the internet 
she's been taking all these phone calls. I don't know if the bitch is dealing drugs or soliciting, but I know she'll be on that internet and there's some phone calls coming through from some strange men that sound like they're white men. Um, any, probably like, 200. Like, uh, okay. Um, let me get closer to you and give you a call. Let's see if we can hook up. That's fine, sweetie. Just, um, Thanks. I'll be available. Welcome back, my audience. And as you witness, Nick and Nikki's love story certainly came with its fair share of challenges. But their love story transcended over time. And as we dive back into the hateful homicide of Dominique Newborn, this beautiful and outspoken 31-year-old black transgender woman who was discovered beaten and stabbed to death on Tuesday, August 20th of 2013, this beautiful reality star full of promise and hope she was met with this hateful homicide, officially declared dead at 4.38 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. As Detective Geraldine Everett continues her investigation, she learns from Officer Emilia Suarez that several eyewitnesses saw a cisgendered black male loading items from Dominique's apartment just before law enforcement arrived onto the scene. And they admitted they felt uneasy confronting the 5'8 black cisgendered male. They did notice an unidentified cisgendered female in her 20s standing near the crime scene. But neighbors didn't recognize her, but described to the detective Everett and Officer Suarez that she fled with the suspect. Officer Suarez runs the license plate of the victim that is 7AAY925. And Detective Everett and her team were quickly able to identify the abandoned vehicle belonging to that of 31-year-old black transgender female Dominique Duffy Newborn. The crime scene analysts conduct some forensic investigations and are able to find DNA evidence linking 18-year-old cisgendered male, Dantier Powell, to the hateful homicide of Dominique Duffy Newborn. Powell is brought in for question and he reveals he first came in contact with Dominique or Duffy as he knew her around 2012. He admitted to being transamorous and learned about her visibility on the upcoming reality show, Hollywood Houseboys. He used that as a ruse to get Newborn's guard down. He would admit to Detective Everett the two met several times before the hateful homicide and how he was laying down this foundation for her to trust him. He admits confiding in his partner, 25-year-old black cisgender female, Jamie Nicole Cotton, and how she allegedly only knew he was borrowing Dominique's Mercedes. And not that of the hateful homicide that he would commit of the 31-year-old black transgender female, Dominique Duffy Newborn, again, who was discovered beaten and stabbed to death, hanging out of her living room window, trying to flee from this violent and hateful attack. Detective Everett enters investigation room 11 and reads person of interest Dantia Powell of his Miranda rights. He initially denies any interaction or involvement with Dominique Duffy Newborn, but when he is confronted with the fingerprint and DNA analysis, and conducted and proven without a reasonable doubt, faced with this overwhelming amount of evidence, my audience, the 18-year-old Duntier Power ultimately was convicted and charged of the hateful homicide of Dominique Duffy Newborn. This beautiful reality star slain. So, the Hollywood lifestyle isn't for everyone, especially those of the transit experience. And as we prepare to begin to conclude this case, Let's learn about other trans women and trans femme individuals as they share their thoughts regarding their time on reality TV.
When I was living stealth and I came out as a proud trans woman and I started writing about my story, I was like, I need to make some extra money. A friend of a friend said, I know this restaurant serve that's hiring. So I applied and met Lisa. Then I started working there. And then like three months later, the cameras started coming in. Do you feel that your representation on the show has been true to your experience as Billy Lee? I mean, I think it highlights the negative parts of Billy Lee. <laughs> I'm the only trans person and you know we just filmed the reunion I'm looking around besides Andy the people on my show there's not one LGBT person and there's not one person of color Vanderpump it's a reflection of what's going on in America I'm here in Los Angeles to meet with Billie Lee. She's a transgender woman, an activist, and a reality TV series star who recently joined the cast of Vanderpump Rules. Her introduction to one of the nation's most popular reality TV shows was a significant moment in transgender representation, bringing her to a mainstream audience as one of the most visible trans women in the United States. It's one of my favorite shows, so I was really excited when Billy joined. I wanted to know how this surreal industry of reality television would handle the complex, nuanced narratives that often come with transgender people. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my it's so God. Good to meet you. Come in. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Come in. So cute. Everyone has a poster board of themselves like this. First of all, it was like hiding in my room. I don't normally have it. Love it here. Thanks. My friends Tom and Ariana lived right here in this building behind oh, me. From the show. Yeah. Are you guys close? Yeah, we're actually really close. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's good that you have people who support you yeah. and are real friends because I feel like the show does feel so real. You're really working there. You're actually friends. And it's hard because sometimes you are scheduled. It's work. You're scheduled with people you don't get along with. Right. Did you expect that you were going to find yourself as like one of the more visible trans women in America? Because so many millions of people watch Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. Like, it's not a niche show. It's been a challenge for me to be visible because I really do appreciate my privacy and I appreciate my alone time. It's also not having control over like, you can live your life, but then you have no control how people edit it and how people view you. Welcome back my audience. And as you witness, there's still a lot of work to be done when it comes to our TGI2 plus communities being fully welcome into the world of reality TV. When officer Amelia Suarez makes the death notifications to the newborn family, they are left with an emptiness like no other. But they were determined to say Dominique's name and held a vigil for the incredible 31-year-old black trans woman. After the vigil of Dominique, this beautiful 31-year-old black transgender female, the person of interest, Duntier Powell, his father, Lealdry Powell, admitted the two had been involved in an on and off again romance for about three years. This stemmed during the challenging times with her boyfriend, Nicholas Cromwell. The two had challenging times, and when Dominique turned to online support, then 15-year-old Dante Power befriended the then 28-year-old, and they began a bond. It wasn't an official relationship, quote-unquote, according this is all to Dante's father, right? This is according to him. 
that they did not begin a relationship until February 2013, six months before her hateful homicide. He then informed Dominique of this on and off again relationship with the 25-year-old black cisgender female, Jamie Nicole Kahn. And when she learned of this relationship with Jamie, Dominique threatened to end her relationship with Dantier. He then makes the decision to commit the hateful homicide of Dominique Duffy Newburn to protect his relationship and attraction to Jamie Nicole Cotton. And to prove this to her, he invited her to the crime scene to prove his devotion. They even left in Dominique's 2013 black Mercedes Benz together. All Bunny and Clyde, right? Before she ended the relationship after becoming concerned for her own safety. Jamie Nicole Cotton ends the relationship with Dontier Powell and arrives at the Fontana Police Department to issue a statement to Detective Geraldine Everett regarding what she could recount regarding the hateful homicide of Dominique Duffy Newborn. She shares that Dontier had been angry at Dominique and she also was struggling with her commitment to Nicholas who had been her partner for five years. Cotton admits he returned to her as a source of comfort. He admitted to her coming out to his parents for Dominique and she was still in love with Nicholas. Cotton admitted he felt that he needed to kill both Dominique and Nicholas, but couldn't capture the two together. So after two weeks of ghosting Dominique, he messaged her saying he wanted to see her, invited Jamie to the crime scene. She admitted she thought he was joking. He was only gonna scare his girlfriend, Dominique. Dantier was jealous. Jamie also admits to Detective Everett that when Dantier came out of Dominique's apartment with a number of items, she knew he was serious and he had done something terrible. She admits he had come out with property and told her to get into Dominique's 2013 black Mercedes. Jamie would admit to feeling uneasy and allegedly asked Dantier Powell to drop her off, which is what he did before continuing on with his heinous actions. After witnessing the pleas of his father, Duntier Powell, an 18-year-old cisgender black male, turns himself in and meets officially with Detective Geraldine Everett and Officer Amelia Suarez of the Fontana Police Department. He confesses to the hateful homicide of 31-year-old black transgender female Dominique Duffy Newborn, this beautiful reality star slain found in her Fontana apartment on that Tuesday, August 20th, 2013. He admits to being enraged that according to him, Dominique couldn't choose between him and Nicholas, and it made him angry. He did confess that due to his age, he was impressionable, admitted if he was more mature, he would have found another way to get back at Dominique that didn't include murder, but admitted if he couldn't have the reality star, then no one could. He was ultimately convicted in 2016 after a six-week trial the second-degree murder of 31-year-old beautiful and phenomenal transgender woman, Dominique Duffy Newborn. This incredible reality star slain in the prime of her life. Her parents and other loved ones stated how her death has hurt their hearts. So in conclusion, we remember you, Dominique Duffy Newborn, born 1982 and resting on since August 20th, 2013. We remember you yesterday, today, tomorrow, forever and always.
Thank you so much, my audience, for tuning in to Season 5, Episode 3, The Murder of Dominique Duffy Newburn, Reality Star Slain. Please follow us on our social media, audio podcast platforms, and YouTube. We will be featuring Season 5, Episode 4, The Murder of Robert E's Southern Discomfort in a few weeks. There will be a special T-Door 25 episode coming up. So stay tuned for that. Again, thank you so much, my audience, and we appreciate your continued love and support. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.